Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The podcast where we talk to smart people, but not necessarily done by smart people. That is an awesome question. This one goes down probably on one of my top five. Hey, I like nutrition. I like to eat food. This is the coolest thing ever. We're going to do this forever. I wish I paid more attention in that class. You know, I'm going to be honest. I don't understand that. As a man, I just, I don't get it. Welcome to com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of Smart People Podcast. I am a host of, of one of these things. This is Chris. And I am another host of... One of these things. Another type of thing. John. Yeah, Chris and John run this. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Um, it's really cool, actually. Today, I don't think we've had many people that can kind of talk about what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk with a guy named Phil Edwards, and I would like to think he's a little abnormal from our normal type of podcast guest. Would you not agree, Roach? Well, he's an author. Yeah, but but the way he's not a doctor, he's not, he's a, not a lawyer, a, he's not a no whatever. No, in my mind, he's still a smart, dude. He decided to go with something and and run with it. And I think that's Pretty what's cool. cool is is this is what the podcast is all about. We say smart people podcast, and they're smart in their own right. Listen, here's what this guy did. He said, here's what I'm interested in. I'm going to start a website or a Tumblr, as you kids are calling it. John would know more about these Tumblr things. And he had a following. And then he took that following and parlayed it into, into a book deal. And the book's coming out soon. And it's cool. And it's funny. He's funny. And it was interesting to talk to him about the creative process and how you turn your ideas into a book. I mean, how many people have said, I could write a book on something. I mean, I know you have. I have. Yeah, and let me tell you, those they're all still sitting in like empty text documents on my computer right yeah. now. Yeah, and so he actually did it, and he did it well, and he did it through the mediums that we have at our disposal today. 
so hats off to him, and it was great talking to him, and he was super open about how the whole, the whole process goes. Yeah, that was awesome. And as you mentioned, he did write a book. It's called Fake Science 101. It's a book on science, fake science, that's, you know, comedy-based. Best way to look at it is if The Daily Show wrote a book on science. Yeah, well, the, what was the show that the, or the book The Daily Show wrote? I don't know. There's an American John book. Did yeah, that. John Stewart did one. Stephen very Colbert similar did one. to that. Yeah, it's very cool. But it's about science. And I mean, just even the things on the back, the reviews are funny. They like are this funny. one that I'm looking at says, "For the last time, I am not the physicist Stephen Hawking. I'm Stephen Hawking, and I'm a business administrator in Ohio. I will not read your book." And it says Stephen Hawking. That is funny. Like, actually, I saw on, that. That's one. that's good. Yeah. Why don't you tell them a little more about Phil? Tell them about his Tumblr page and whatnot. Sure. Phil runs fakescience.tumblr.com. He has, you know, daily fake science posts on there that are really funny. He's got a personal website at philedwardsinc.com. You can find more about him, his projects, his Facebook, his Twitter, all that cool stuff's on there. I mean, he's just an all-around good guy. And, and you liked him because of the comedy aspect. Yeah, we connected on the comedy level, and you know, we talked about comedy podcasts for a little bit before the interview. So, I liked looking at this and seeing what the comedy process of of writing this book was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I love talking to him. He said, you know, here's uh, how I pitched it to to different publishers and editors and things, and and here's how I gained my uh, my my platform, as he called it, and things like that. So. A lot of things that go into... Um, like all the business behind the book. Right. I yeah. really enjoyed that. So that's what we're going to get into on today's episode. Um, obviously, we're not going to let you guys go that easily. We have to make sure you head on over to our website, smartpeoplepodcast.com, and just just hang out there. Just hang out, take a, take a tour. We have seen great responses to these uh, most recent episodes. I'm really excited for all the things that are going on. We have some cool things in the works. I don't think we want to get into at this point. But one of those being we are starting a, uh, a newsletter soon, um, probably a couple episodes more. We want to make sure we get a critical mass of emails. So go onto the website, smartpeoplepodcast.com, and sign up for the newsletter. And we're going to let you know in advance who we're interviewing when. And we're actually going to let you participate in the interview. That's, uh, you know, in, in a couple weeks, but make sure to do that. Head over to iTunes, subscribe to the podcast over there, rate us, comment. We really appreciate when you guys do that. And I also wanted to give a special thank you to everybody who's made donations on Smart People Podcast. I was actually going to say that, the one, you know, yeah, the we, one donor. We've got, we've got a guy in Arizona that's donated a few times that we are extremely grateful for. I mean, words can't really express it. Thank you very much. We really do appreciate that. Yeah, it's not even about the money. It's just the thought that it's worth it's it's worth that to somebody. It's it's I don't know what we create. So we appreciate that. And also in your own way, support us. Anything you buy off Amazon, go through our Amazon link. Uh, we had a pretty crappy month last month, so I think you know John is going to have to sell some of his audio equipment. But that's fine. We'll do it regardless. So thanks for listening. Get in touch with us, Facebook, all that good stuff. And listen to Phil Edwards talk about his his book, Fake Science 101, and some other interesting parts about comedy and the uh, creative process. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. We appreciate it. I just wanted to give you the opportunity to share with our listeners, you know, a little bit about yourself, your background, how you got to where you are, and your story in a nutshell. Sure. Well, thanks a lot for having me on. 
I'm talking today about uh, Fake Science 101, a fake science textbook, and uh, it's based on a Tumblr that I started. So I guess that's sort of my my origin story. And I started that just because I was walking around with a friend, and he and I were looking around and realizing that we could come up with very bad explanations for everything that was happening around us, uh, but not complete ones that actually explain how they happen. So it could be photosynthesis or telephone wires or gravity even. And we'd just say, science, some sort of science is involved. And then after that, we'd kind of go blank and have nothing. And so then I realized that it might be cool to start a site that did explain scientific phenomena, but without the burden of actually having to learn anything about it. Uh, and so I started this site, and it's been going for about two years. And from there, uh, just gone on and got the opportunity to write the textbook. So that's kind of how that started. And then before that, I'd been in journalism and then had a company uh, with a friend where he and I were marketing stuff. And he and I also had another humor book that was about dumb jobs. And that inspired me to kind of keep going with this stuff, keep trying new things and see what worked out. So I wanted to talk to you a little bit about the, the Tumblr site. So it's fakescience.tumblr.com. When you yes. started that, did you have the intentions of writing a book? I mean, did Dumb Employed start out the same way? Or uh, Yeah, well, you know, I... I'd be dishonest if I if I didn't say that I had the pipe dream of writing a book. Um, I had seen so many people be successful on Tumblr that I decided, okay, I can go out there and put something out twice a week, and if people like it, it can be exactly what I want, and it can be something that I really fits my sensibilities exactly. So I, I did have that idea. I didn't know at the time how much... I had room to improve on myself and, and on the stuff that I was putting out uh, from the photoshopping that I was doing to the actual jokes that I was making. Uh, but I, I did have that idea and it just ended up working out because Tumblr is a really uh, nurturing community for people who are creating stuff. Uh, and they did that for me and helped me get off on the right foot. And from there, it just continued to take off. I guess the reason I ask is because Chris and I are always trying to come up with ideas and we're like, oh man, we should start a website for this and then hopefully, you know, land that book deal. The same way that Shit My Dad Says, Text From a Dog, all these sites that are out there that have gotten book deals, TV deals, you know, movie deals, all this stuff. And it's it's really cool to see people be creative, put stuff out on the internet, on Tumblr and, and Twitter and have those things turn into bigger ideas while you were doing the tumblr i mean you said that you were you were working at a company with a friend for marketing stuff was this along that same time or did you have another job i mean was yeah, the tumblr well, the full-time it, job or how did yeah, that go it's, it was uh it was just me and him we had our own business doing stuff uh like on facebook and marketing other stuff on the internet so that allowed me a lot of flexibility and then after that i started to shift more into just pursuing writing projects full time. And so he he's now working on his own stuff and I'm working on stuff like fake science and then other little projects that I have. So I, I fortunately was able to get a lot of time. Um, de definitely the one thing I couldn't have predicted when I started the site was that I was going to be able to do it for two years. If you told me and for a 272 page textbook, 
Uh, I think if you told me that at the beginning, it would have been incredibly daunting because I might have been able to come up with like three ideas before I got exhausted and had no idea what to talk about. So that was the that was the big surprise for me. But yeah, I, I had the time to keep it going and I was getting enough tiny little rewards of people enjoying it along the way that I was willing to keep going and do another post another week more on Twitter and on, on Tumblr. You know, what's really funny is actually the thing you said right there about how you, you had enough every week or whatever it might be of people enjoying what you do. And it's very similar to what John and I do. We didn't think anybody would listen. We said, let's just talk to some cool people and to what it's turned into now. Every time we get an email, we're like, dude, let's keep doing this. That's a great idea. Let's keep going. (laughs) So I totally understand where you're coming from there. Appreciate the creative process and am really impressed. I think for me, the thing that I need to know from you is how did you turn this idea, this uh, what is science or, you know, comedy mix with some science stuff into a book and then pitch it to somebody to print it and then get it sold and then make money off it? Like, because I want to do that, but I need to know that process. We're we're waiting on the the final make money stage. Uh, that's, that that I might not be able to tell you about. Um, I'd suggest starting a fruit stand or exploring some alternative revenue for that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, my my goal with this book, I I, I might answer this in a sort of rambling way, but uh, in my opinion, studying studying humor books, there's sort of two types of humor books. There's the humor books that you get from your aunt and then you open it and it lays on your dining room table for like a week. You don't read it. It makes the transition to the top of the toilet, gathers dust there, and eventually ends up at a yard sale. And then there's a second type of book where it, it's the kind of thing that you like to read when you're watching TV or you, if you're a kid, you might read it late at night. It's the kind of thing that you can geek out over and really enjoy. And so from the beginning, I knew that even though I was making this single image Tumblr, I wanted to pitch a book that was really complex and had a lot to offer readers just because I felt like that was the type of book I'd want to read it is one that had a lot of information in it and gave people a lot of stuff to chew over. So in answering your question, when I what you do is once you uh, have a site like this that does well, a literary agent might contact you, or conversely, you can contact a literary agent. Uh, from that point on, they might say, hey, I like your book. Uh, think of some ideas of what you want your book to be. And a lot of people might say, oh, I'd just like to do what I have on the site. And that, that could be great for some sites. I just felt that mine wasn't necessarily deep enough to be a book. And so then I suggested to him that we craft uh, a proposal uh, which basically outlines what the book is and how it would work. So what that meant in my case was I wrote a little about the book. I created uh, 20 pages uh, that were basically the first 20 pages you see in the book now. I learned how to use a publishing program to design it so it could be a really good mock-up and went ahead with that. And then your agent and you take it around to editors and shop it. And for in my case, on the strength of the reception that the site had gone, I was able to do this project that was kind of different and more ambitious than just doing the site itself. Uh, and so then once we signed that contract, that Adams Media, that they're the publisher, that they were going to be able to publish it, 
I was finally able to sit down and work, learn the specifics, how many pages, how what it would look like, what kind of budget there would be uh, for photos and stuff like that, and get to work. So it was a, a long process with a lot of different steps. I, I don't know if that answers it at all, but... Oh, absolutely. And and that brings up another question too, because the book is in a textbook format. I mean, did you do your research on seeing, okay, a textbook looks like this. So I'm going to go ahead and lay out my outline like this and then plug in your blog posts to where they, where they plugged in or write stuff where you had holes. I mean, what was that process like? How did you go through and, and learn a yeah. lot about textbooks? Yeah, that was, that was actually really fun. Um, because I, I got to look at a lot of old real textbooks and also my own real textbooks that I'd like stolen in junior year of high school and taken home with me for some reason. Uh, you know that you're a nerd when your crime is stealing textbooks from your school. <laughs> um, but I, I would look at these old textbooks and I'd sort of say, okay, how is information organized in these textbooks? Like there's my textbook features these little scientific facts that are on the side and they're little jokes, but those are modeled after similar type of facts that occur in real textbooks. Or uh, my social studies book in high school had uh, little quotations uh, from people. And so I decided, oh, that'd be a cool visual element to include in the textbook. Uh, Footnotes were kind of a no-brainer that I wanted to have those in the textbook. And so by modeling those old textbooks, I was able to get an idea of the aesthetic of the book itself. And uh, I also had a a long lineage of other fake textbooks to draw on that could educate me on how to make my own textbook, whether it was something done by The Onion or The National uh, Lampoon back in the 60s and the 70s, or if it was something as modern as uh, Stephen Colbert's book, though that's not a textbook, but it's a similar concept. So that, that allowed me to get the idea about how the book could be organized. And then as far as the content itself, it was basically as simple as my looking at science textbooks and saying, okay, they're talking about astronomy here. I've got to learn about astronomy. I'm going to go on Wikipedia and see how they organized astronomy. Uh, and then I had to actually sit down and figure out how I wanted to teach the reader about astronomy. Uh, because even though it's a fake textbook, you still sort of need the narrative thread that helps it make sense along the way from the first word to the very end of the chapter. So it was a it was interesting that it was a more ambitious project than I thought it would be, but it was a lot of fun. When pitching this book, did you basically go off of the fact, you know, I have this website and it's successful? Was their main concern how big is your audience? Because I've talked to and we've talked to um, authors in the past, and it seems one of the main underlying themes is they want to know on their investment what the return might be, and that, that's completely based off of how many people are interested in what you do. Yeah, that that was their buzzword that the publishing industry usually uses is platform. And so their concern was how big my platform might be, uh, whether it's on Tumblr, Facebook, or, or Twitter. I also have a Twitter account for the site. That was one of their concerns. And then in their own respect, they have a lot of concerns that don't factor into my platform, like will booksellers want to sell this book? Mm-hmm. How closely does the book mirror the successful formula of the site, which is an area in which I deviated somewhat because I did textbook instead of just republishing posts from the site. It's all entirely new and a new project. So they're sort of matching those concerns of how big your platform is, then also 
how good the idea is, how pitchable the idea is to media and people like that. And finally, the quality of the book itself. Is, is it funny? Is it good? Does it hold together? So you have to kind of encapsulate all those when you're, when you're talking to a potential editor. I want to apologize for jumping back and forth here, but you're going to see that Chris is going to be very interested in the publishing aspect and the business aspect of it. And I'm looking at the comedy and, and writing aspect of it. Um, and as we talked before the interview, you know, I'm, I'm a comedy nerd, so I do have questions about how you, how you wrote the jokes, if you wrote the jokes by yourself. Because like you said, you have you know, the footnotes and the things off to the side. And when I look at those, I look at those as tags on, on jokes for, you know, like a stand-up comedian would do. And they're, they're hilarious. So I didn't know if you had any background with, with stand-up comedy in any form, but I was, I was really just interested in your writing process. I mean, did you sit down with like a writing partner to bounce jokes off of, or did you write this completely by yourself? What was the process of actually writing the jokes? Sure. Yeah. Well, uh, the way that I did it, um, for just again, to kind of explain it, it's, uh, each page in the textbook has images, footnotes, and then main text along with sidebars and stuff like that. So that helped break it up for me. I, I did basically sat down every day. Uh, I wrote it all in the design program uh, so that I could see how the text would interplay with the images and the side notes would interplay with that. And just did four pages a day for a certain number of months. And so in a way, that allowed me to see, okay, this page is kind of boring. I should add an image here or I should add a side joke in here or add a footnote here. And it also allowed me to mix up the work so that when I was tapped out talking about the biology of ferns, I could go ahead and spend some time working on an image or doing something that didn't require a lot of my brain. Uh, I did write it myself, but having that amount of time in the very type of jokes allowed me to break it up and make the project a lot more manageable. That's awesome. And for this, for the process, I mean, did you say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to work six, eight, 10 hours a day. Cause you mentioned you do four pages a day. I mean, did you structure your day like that where you said, okay, I'm going to work this long on jokes. I'm going to work this long on formatting and try to stick to that. Or did you kind of just, were you real liquid and just kind of filled those gaps as necessary? Yeah, well, you know, I, the only way I get stuff done myself is if I have a page or word quota with anything that I'm writing. So I just had a flat I – had, I had due dates. I, I turned in half of the book at one point in the summer. I don't remember the exact numbers, but I turned the other half of the book later in the summer. So I had these exact page numbers that I knew were due, 120 pages or 150 pages or whatever it was, was due in the middle of July and then the rest was due in August or whatever. So I just worked it out and divided it up, and I said, okay, this means I have to do four pages a day. So then without fail, I would do four pages a day. Uh, so it wasn't an hourly thing or anything like that. Uh, sometimes it would take me three hours to do a page. Sometimes I might have a more complex image, and it would take me six hours on that one image, and then I'd have to hurry and write the rest. Uh, so that, that was how I worked and, and it helps me because I need as much structure as possible. When you're making something this big, you have to piece it out over a number of days. Otherwise it'll be overwhelming. Right. 
And I know some of the questions we ask might seem haphazard, but I think the underlying theme is we really appreciate the fact that, you know, you had this interesting idea. You said, let me share it with the world through your Tumblr site. And then you were like, okay, this is cool. I want to try and take on the, you know, writing book aspect and did that. And it's just an inspiring story. And so I just wanted to say, you know, I read your book and in, in full disclosure, I'm not as much of a comedy guy as John is. Um, and I was laughing through, through parts of it. And I was just like, you know, it's interesting how it all ties together. I would have never thought of it because it's outside of my realm. Everybody kind of gets caught in their little niche. But what I wanted to say is when you were writing this, how did you support yourself? I, I, I'm trying to figure out, you know, where was the money coming from during the creative <laughs> process? Well, uh, you know, you, uh, when, you, when you sign a book contract, uh, in theory, you're being supported by uh, something called an advance, which is basically the publisher. Uh, forgive me if I'm talking down at all or anything. No, like no, that. it's perfect. This, know, is, it's, why, this is why I want to talk to you. I, mean, yeah. I figure it doesn't hurt for people who might not be familiar with publishing sure. to hear about it. Uh, but you sign a contract and you have something in advance where the publisher pays you against uh, royalties that they feel you might receive in the future. So in theory, that would support you during the writing project of your book. Uh, in my case, it was that along with a mix of other projects like stuff that I did in the past or stuff that I do like I write very corny mysteries that I publish online. And so those also serve as a lifeline for me. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily recommend them to the, a person who has a wittier sensibility like the fake science books, but it was sort of a mix of projects like that helped me get through. And also the advance, as I mentioned, helped me get through, keep going and see the project through to the end. Sure. No. And you know, I had an idea about that, but I just want to check. And, and did yeah. you, did you feel that, um, when you went and pitched this book, obviously it, it turns into almost a job interview. I would imagine this is my book. This is my idea. Now, how much will you pay me for it? Kind of. And right. was that, did you kind of put that all together and I'm selling this and, here's how many people I, I have, and here's my following, and here's how I'm going to benefit you. And it was this big kind of PowerPoint, you know, that whole thing. Yeah. Well, there was no, there was no PowerPoint. Uh, <laughs> that's just the way I look God. at it. <laughs> um, I think that's a good thing that there was no PowerPoint. But, yeah, you kind of put together your stats, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, uh, I'm this awesome. I have this many people following me. Growth is here. Press has been mentioned here. And then you will usually have a phone call with an editor, and you try to act very charming with the editor uh, and put up, be as likable as possible and uh, try to sound not difficult to work with, I think. Um, and then from there, they just they decide if they think the project's a good idea, and they will take it to a board, which I think maybe votes on approving the book or not. This is sort of... Uh, getting into the area that's beyond my expertise because I'm sure. the author uh, and I haven't seen behind the curtain. But they'll they'll check with the board or some sort of board or I don't know. They all wear robes and sit around a table and decide whether or <laughs> not they're going to publish you. Um, yeah, there's like dramatic music playing in the background <laughs> and they're very darkly lit. Um, but they decide whether or not they want to publish you. And then they also convene with like their sales team. And uh, it, it, if all that works together, 
all these people will come together and make you an offer, and then the offer will include some details about when you might be published, how much money they'll give you on the advance, what, how they see the book working out, stuff like that. So it's a, it's a little murky for, for the author, uh, or at least for me, beyond a certain stage. Someone more perceptive might understand it a little better, right. but I was busy looking at beakers. So, <laughs> As we're in this industry talk, I kind of wanted to shift to Dumb Employed, because I think I read that I believe it was on your site that it said that Warner Brothers TV optioned Dumb Employed for the TV and film rights? Uh, yes, yes. <laughs> so what exactly does that entail? And I mean, you know, coming from somebody that has no knowledge in this in this industry, if they do pick up the option, I mean, would you be involved if they move forward? Or is it, did they just option the idea? I mean, how does all of that work? Well, if they pick up the option, they first immediately deliver gold goblets to your house and you install <laughs> they better uh, uh yeah only crystal that's a legal thing uh no you know it, to to be honest with the option what they do is they're like i i, I figure that 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 book wasn't uh that book is a lot different from this fake science book and that it's sort of just a a, a list of of jokes, basically, kind of like "F My Life." I don't know if you've ever heard of that site. Oh yeah, uh, it's a it's a much it's a much narrower concept. So I think in that case, somebody at Warner Brothers was probably just like, "Hey, the word dumb employed. That's a funny word. Let's <laughs> get an option for that." You know, and and then maybe it's an afterthought. They got the book at some point, and they're like, "Oh, pages, whatever." And then they threw it out. The you know, but they they sign the option, and so then. The option in that case, because of the nature of the book and all, and because of what we could uh, put forth as far as our own clout, which was very little in the case of that book, they might pick up the option. But I think it's just like, we like this word. We're going to make a TV show around it. We'll never talk to you guys. So in that case, there's no creative involvement or anything like that. I would imagine that whenever you hear about something being optioned, it can vary from a case like ours where it's just being sent out there. Uh, you get a small amount of money. You have no idea what will happen to a case where the author is very actively involved in developing the project. I have no idea how you become the latter in that example. <laughs> uh, if you guys find out, you can tell me. <laughs> that said, I have conceived hundreds of fake science movie ideas <laughs> and uh, video games, everything like that. So should anyone come calling for that, I'd happily be more actively involved. But yeah, so it's a little, that part of the process remains a little opaque to me as well. You had mentioned a little bit ago the, the Jake Russo mysteries. How did you get involved in doing those? I mean, are you a mystery fan? And I, you know, I looked them up and on, on Amazon right now, you can get the Kindle version of them as well as through Prime, like you can lend them for free or, or whatever it is. So that got me thinking to whether or not, A, you got paid from some some type of Kindle lending deal with Amazon. Sure, um, yeah. but, but also, I mean, what is the process for that? Can anybody really go out there and create an ebook to throw up on the Amazon marketplace? If so, I mean, what's are there any books or anything out there that you looked at or anybody that helped you walk through that? I mean, if we have any listeners that have any dreams of becoming an author, I think this would be a way that somebody could do so without, you know, getting a publisher. Is it, I mean, am I 
off on that or how does uh, that yeah, work? Yeah, no, I, I mean, um, basically there's, there's sort of this divide between uh, publishing as it's being done for this fake science book and as it was for uh, Dumb Employed where your book is – going to show up in a bookstore. It's going to be printed. It's going to have an editorial and sales infrastructure built around it. And then the self-publishing world, as it's called, which includes players like Amazon, Barnes & Noble has an offering. There are a few other companies that have offerings as well, where people will code a book in HTML. Very simple, though. To call it code is hyperbolic because it's just writing a little HTML. And then they'll upload it to the platform and be able to sell it at a price that they determine. So that's what I did with those mysteries. Um, as far as how people can learn how to do that, uh, it is a rather uh, politicized uh, debate within the publishing world. So <laughs> I, uh, I, I tread carefully in saying that there are benefits and drawbacks to both the gotcha. publishing that I do with like a real book, as I call it. Perhaps that's a little too condescending towards the self-publishing efforts uh and then a self-published book which are like these mysteries i do i know that if listeners wanted to uh check somebody out they could do a google search for a guy named j.a conrath uh it's conrath with a k he writes a self-publishing blog uh again though his name is rather incendiary it would be as if i recommended uh in politics that someone immediately take on Bill O'Reilly as their first resource or whatever, you know, it's Please kind of do a, not do that. <laughs> kind, of an, kind of an outrageous name for me to suggest just because strong emotions on both sides, you know, there, there's people who love Bill O'Reilly and people who hate Bill O'Reilly. So, but you probably wouldn't say if somebody wanted to learn about the, Politics, ma- the yeah. middle of the road stuff, you probably wouldn't give him Bill O'Reilly's right. name, but Jay Conrad is a good resource for learning about the basics and kind of getting an idea of what, pros there are to self-publishing and what cons there are so i don't know if that makes sense or not absolutely (laughs) i mean you seem like a guy that likes to have a lot of projects going on what's next for you so you've got the book coming out officially i mean when did it officially come out publishing sort of I, i i've realized that publishing because there are so many gears in the works publishing dates are a little more amorphous than you might think Mm -hmm. um because these publishers are dealing with very complex chains. Uh, this book was printed in China. It was shipped to the United States. It then had to go to warehouses with Amazon, warehouse with Barnes & Noble, warehouse, uh, it went to ThinkGeek. It's available on ThinkGeek. So they've got a lot of balls in the air to kind of juggle, right. uh, very complex distribution chains. So it officially is coming out uh, the 15th of August, and okay. that's the official publication date. But people who want to order it online can do so earlier than that. So it is it is a little confusing uh, when the book actually comes out. But we're sort of treating the official publication date as the 15th. And uh, right now I'm just working on getting the word out about the book until then, trying to let people know about it. Do you see yourself turning into now a full-time author? Is that the, is that the goal? Uh, yeah. I mean that's kind of what I've been doing for a bit. Um, and I just hope that I'll be able to continue it. Maybe there will be some sort of tenured position as a fake science. (laughs) (laughs) I'll sign up for that class. (laughs) I mean, I don't see why I couldn't go to Northwestern and just make things up once or twice a week and draw a paycheck for it. I'm sure that people would be willing to 
willing to come out. But uh, <laughs> I was going to say, Bill Nye's coming back on uh, the Nerdist's YouTube channel. So, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff out there where if you, you know, yeah. if you threw together some type of, of web series and stuff, I think this, you know, this is a good idea behind it. He has the bow tie. I could maybe go with suspenders or something like that. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Figure out my own sartorial quirk. Yeah, so right now I'm just kind of focusing on that, just trying to see what what happens with that. And then as far as what's next, uh, this will help determine that, I suppose. But I definitely am, always have ideas for this stuff with the fake science because it's so fun. It can, it can be uh, really smart jokes. I can make a smart joke about ethanol subsidies if I want, and then I can make a really dumb joke where it's like an elephant slipping on – a banana peel or something. I, you know, that's for the record, that joke is not actually in the book. <laughs> no freebies here process, but, but yeah, so it, that it allows me a lot of stuff that I could work on. So we'll, we'll see if it leads to anything else in the future. Well, we'll definitely urge our listeners to go out to philedwardsinc.com to find out more about you. But I mean, is there anywhere else that you want to push our listeners to anything that you want to plug besides uh, fake science One Hundred One? Yeah, I mean, I'd say that that's the thing that I'm really proudest of. It's, uh, as we've sort of said, it's a it's a longer textbook. It's full color. Uh, it's actually, which is sort of a rarity as well. Uh, it's actually pretty cheap, <laughs> which I know that most authors might not like to mention, but I value as a reader and <laughs> uh, has usually pays for books instead of going to the library. So yeah, I would just say they can check it out. They can probably find it by just Googling or through you guys, uh, just Googling for fake science and see what it looks like and see if they find it amusing or not or educational. Yeah, I mean, we'll definitely link to the book on our website and tell all our listeners to go out, check it out, you know, pick it up on Amazon or wherever wherever else. And Phil, we really appreciate you being on the show and, and best of luck. Thanks again. Thanks a lot for uh, letting me talk to you guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, Phil, definitely. Thank you so much. And uh, we're, we're looking out for everyone to purchase your book. Appreciate it. All right. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Welcome back. Hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Phil. Please remember, head over to smartpeoplepodcast.com. Click on the Amazon banner. While you're at Amazon, pick up Phil's book, Fake Science 101. It's funny. If you like science and you like comedy, it's the perfect book to give as a, what did we say last time? A, a Labor Day present? Ah, yes. Labor Day holiday coming up. Choose, yeah. choose your holiday wisely. No, but I mean, give this give this to your kid in high school, that kind of stuff, in college. I mean, it's a, it's a funny book. I definitely got a lot of laughs at it. It's a really good read. It's, it's a very easy read. You know, it's not overly sciencey. Yeah, you it's know, interesting. That word, I, don't, I don't tend to even look at books. I mean, I'm a very, the books I read are so intense and in depth. It was so cool to pick this up and be like, ah, I'm going to relax for a minute, you know? Yeah, it's just a fun read. But so, so thanks for joining us today on this episode. I can't even explain the cool people we have coming up. You guys, a lot of you, and I will say thank you on Facebook. You guys recommended we talk to some people. So I went out one day and I contacted all of them and we lined up some of them and uh, the ones that said yes. And they'll be coming up in the next couple of weeks. We have some crazy good interviews. I'm so pumped. Everything's just continuing to grow and it's just, it's just great to do. So thanks so much for supporting the show. Make sure to check us out next week. What's going on, Roach? No, I just actually wanted to thank these people on the podcast. I won't use last names for sure. any reason. I know we've never done this, but 
Joan, Sandy, Nicole, Tiana, anybody else who I've left off there, you know, there was there was a bunch of you that left, I don't know, there must be 15, 20 posts on there about guests for us to email. Uh, we really appreciate that. We like being able to tell our guests, hey, our users actually requested you. It helps us get these interviews. Um, so again, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Yep. So uh, keep an eye out for some upcoming episodes and we will talk to you next week.